We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind and My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCrady. Martin Paloma with me today as well. We're taping this on Thursday, September the 23rd, around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Hope you're having a great week. Hope you have a great weekend ahead. Thanks for making us a part of your week. Really appreciate uh, you being with us. Get to uh, a number of topics. There's a lot of stuff going on in the economy. We're going to kind of talk about how the fourth quarter, which is coming up here uh, like a week, uh, the fourth quarter of uh, the finance, of the calendar year, how that's usually a pretty big time. We'll talk to Martin about whether he expects that trend to continue this year with all of the craziness that's out there. First, I want to tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, and he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line, no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is completely up to you. You can chop it around, or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. And, Martin, before we get started, why don't you tell the people a little bit about Pinnacle and how they can get in touch with you. Indeed, man. Uh, absolutely happy to be back. Um, glad to have – dude, it kind of feels like football weather outside right now. I think we're going to get to keep it through the weekend, too. I don't know if you know this, um, but it is football season, and uh, they're playing, and <laughs> – uh, so, uh, and Hey, the I good news it. is the good news it. is the good news is we're three weeks into the season. And, um, I mean, Lord Fauci says it wasn't smart, wasn't smart to have full crowds, but it appears, and, I, and I'm stunned. I'm stunned. It, I, I, I never, I, when I saw the crowds, you know me, I was just shook up. I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. But it appears that despite um, our redneck insistence on going to games and enjoying them, it yeah. appears it, it appears that the two-week window to incubate and kill has passed and we have been spared, at least for now. So congratulations well, to us. It's because it's the Jedi came in and defeated the evil emperor, you know, Darth Fauci, um, defeated all of his little minion vids, 
that uh, that he dispersed onto Vault Hemingway, um, and they put their force shield up over the Jedi. Put their force shield up over Vault Hemingway so that so that none of the uh, the dark vid lords um, could infiltrate the the bodies of of the good humans. Well, it won't um, be two weeks here until Saturday, so we're still in a forty eight hour window of of pestilence and dread. But right. but if you were at one of the games the first weekend, like in Blacksburg or Madison, Wisconsin, or Auburn, Alabama, or um, Los Angeles, um, it, you, you escaped somehow. Or Atlanta, dude. I mean, yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta had several of them in the in the in the dome, didn't they? Great point. Yeah, and the two week window has passed yeah. on those, and and uh, it's a miracle. It really is. It's a miracle that uh, I just think the Jedi. The Jedi are doing their job, and they're keeping keeping the the good side of the Force, you could know, be. in check, and they're saving could humanity be. from the evil emperor. You know what it could be, though. It could be that the 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 people in the press boxes were wearing masks at all times. It could be yeah. that just the virus, except for when they were drinking their beer. Well, but now that's science here. So let me explain the science to you because it's important. I'm gonna go over two scientific things that I've learned about science here in the last year or so. If you're sitting at your seat without anything in front of you to consume, like a, a beverage or a, some sort of a food product, and you are unmasked, you are not only a terrible person, but you are at, you're in grave danger. Now, if you take off your mask to consume a product, whether it be a, a bottle of water, um, a, a soft drink of some sort, perhaps a seltzer, uh, perhaps a, a beer, a glass of wine. I would prefer a Cabernet or a Pinot Noir, but some people prefer a Chardonnay or whatever. I don't, to, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, the virus is, uh, views those, all of those beverages equally and, um, he, she will leave you alone while you are consuming that in your seat. It, well, it must mean that liquid in any form is kryptonite. Maybe it scares the virus. Yeah. It's possible. It's the kryptonite, yeah. But if... Liquids, period. Doesn't but, matter what it is. It's just liquids. But as soon as that drink is gone... It attacks. You must mask up immediately because otherwise, otherwise... It, it, it's it's going to get you with a uh, a heavy viral load. What was the what was the term that I was introduced to today by one of my uh, one of my Twitter followers? Let's see if I can find this. It was it was uh, it was very good. I'll keep looking for it. It's a it's a fascinating. <laughs> it was it was really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to hear what. Yeah, it was it was really good. Um, oh, you know, I I can't find it now, but I'll have to keep looking for it because it was it was really good. It was something about something about the the size of the inhalation inhalation load or something that that you make. It's one of the reasons that they're very concerned about people working out in gyms and such without a mask on because. That uh, so the deeper breath you take, like the yeah the the higher load that you'll yeah you'll have yeah you know okay I think we all 
everyone's always concerned about you know that kind of thing and and so well the good the good news for me is since i haven't been in the gym that's why you're still alive since today. covid that's why i'm still alive but but the additional 25 pounds that i'm wearing <laughs> because i haven't been to the gym since the beginning of covid is not going to hurt me at all. Oh, no, no. That no. extra 25 pounds is what's keeping me healthy. Could be. No, seriously, it is. Yeah. Uh, have you seen uh, uh, that movie? And sorry, dude, this is ADD. Um, Wally, the Disney, the Pixar, yes. where like we've trashed the earth and we have to leave the earth because it's not inhabitable. Yes. And um, like everyone living in the ships in space, like they don't even walk anymore. They're just big blobs of of humans they're really healthy that's that's where i am i've all that the covid the covid 25 the covid 19 that i've put on is uh is just protecting my body because i love my muscles neil apparently you don't love your muscles because you leave your muscles very much on out there for you know to exposure and to be shown like uh, I, you don't have any layers of protection. Well, I on go top to the, your I go to the I go to the gym because I sort of like to tempt fate a little bit, you know. And I, 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 mean, I respect that. I don't know. It's one of those. Things. I, I I do get frustrated. I just the, I love my muscles. The whole drink in front of you, and you, if the drink's in front of you, it's all good. If the drink's not in front of you, you, you have to mask is completely idiotic to me. And then the other one that I, I can't stand it really bothers me because it affects kids because they don't really get a vote. Um, we all. You know, we're all adults and presumably had the right to vote. And, you know, elections have consequences and stuff. Um, although some of the people making these decisions were never elected. Um, you know, Fauci and Dobbs and those kind of people, they, they were never elected. They were appointed. Regardless, um, the other one that gets me, that really bothers me is, so if you walk into a restaurant, you have to wear a mask. Once you sit and Assume the place that you will be for, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half. You can take the mask off. But a school kid, when he or she walks into his or her classroom, he has to wear a mask or she has to wear a mask until uh, he or she is seated. Once they're seated, though, they have to keep the mask on. Even though they're only going to be in that classroom for an hour or two hours, depending on what, how the class schedule works, before they get back up to leave to go to the next class. That... That is the part that, to me, scientifically, I, I, I struggle to wrap my mind around. And because I know the answer, the answer is we do it for theater. We do it to say that we did it. We do it to make people who are scared feel better. And I have officially hit the point where I don't have a lot of empathy for those who are so terrified. I'm just being honest. I mean, the numbers are out there. The vaccine's out there. If you're vaccinated... If, you, if you've chosen not to be vaccinated, that's your choice. And that's fine. I don't I don't judge you. That's your choice. And if you chose to be vaccinated, I did. Uh, it's okay. I mean, it's whatever. It just, I, 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 but I am of the opinion now when I hear people go, well, it's just two more weeks on this mask thing. Like it's happening in Oxford, just like I said it would. They, they put the mask thing in, then they did two weeks, and then they did two weeks. And now they just haven't said anything for a while because now it's, People have they, they've they've done it long enough that no one's going to say anything anymore. There's there's protest fatigue, if you will, 
And so you, if you notice, like, all the Facebook pages and stuff that were protesting it, they've kind of died. They've kind of gone away. People have just accepted it, and that's exactly what they gambled on. It's my opinion that kids will be wearing masks throughout this academic school year. And then sometime next summer, we'll play this game again. And right before the school year starts, they'll put the mask mandate back in town. That's what um, I think. I hope I'm wrong. You're, I was about to say, I hope you're wrong, dude. Um, but I don't think I am. I, I, don't, I really don't. I don't think I am. The only, you know, this, the, the only other thing that could happen, and I, but I don't think that'll change it, is, and, and this is going to be a big controversial thing when it happens, is the whole um, vaccine gets approved for kids 5 to 12. Yep. And there begins to be a pressure to, um, on, on parents to get young get people vaccinated. vaccinated. And there's going to be a real pushback about that because a lot of people just simply aren't going to do it. And then you talk, like, I have a son who turns 15 in about a week and a half, and he's not vaccinated. And the only thing that you could offer him that would get him to take a shot is a promise that he wouldn't have to wear the mask anymore. They won't do that, though. That's that's not on the table. So what's in it? what's in it for a 15-year-old? I mean, if you're making the risk-reward um, evaluation, what's in it? Yeah. Because the, well, odds, I mean, the odds of him dying of COVID, statistically, we have, what, 19, 20 months of, of data here are just infinitesimal. And I guess, you know, one thing I do appreciate about our schools, and, of, and of course, um, you know, mine are at, prep and, and ja um with with prep where christopher is you know he's a senior this year uh they did say hey if you're vaccinated uh your mask optional wear it if you want to and then if you have exposed if you've been quote unquote exposed we don't force you into a two-week quarantine so that that means he can go to his events and go to his after school stuff which you know it's his senior year he really wants to have a you know doesn't want any interruption in his and his uh, after-school activities with, with school. And uh, so he did. He went and got the jab just so that, you know, he didn't have to do that. It was his choice. Um, and then my 15-year-old, she she did get – she got the jab too, but uh, their school still does – they go to different schools. For the older kids, I believe they still have to wear masks. But Gia, my youngest, she's in sec- second grade. Yeah, second grade. Um, a couple weeks ago, they said uh, – it was mask optional for, you know, I think like the elementary or the lower school. Um, it was mask optional. It was a parent's choice on what they wanted to do with their kid, which was pretty cool. And Gia said she's not ever wearing a mask again. <laughs> My second grader. <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that are beginning. I'll be honest. I've hit the point with masks where if, if it is at all possible to avoid them, I'll avoid them. Not because and yeah, people go sure. people and, and people will do this thing with me and I, I, we didn't mean to make this a mass show. We'll get some other stuff in a minute. I promise. Yeah, no worries. Um, the, the people will say it's just a mild inconvenience. That's what they always say. It's just a mild inconvenience, and and they're not wrong. They're not wrong. It, it you walk into the a store and they say, hey, you got to wear a mask here. Okay. And it twenty minutes with the mask on, a mild inconvenience. I agree. But for what? What, why am I why am I volunteering to be inconvenienced? For scientific reasons? 
because I don't believe in the, the, the. To me, you can't prove that the the cloth mask, especially. I mean, I, I wear I wear, I wear the, the the thinnest, most breathable mask that can be found. I don't go anywhere if I feel bad. I've already had COVID and I'm fully vaccinated. If I'm the walking time bomb, then man, we're all gone at that point, right? I mean, if 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 I'm the person that's dangerous, then everybody's everybody's in trouble. And if they say, well, it's just to kind of make people feel more at ease, I, that's to me is no longer a valid excuse. That's that's no longer a valid reason. And if that makes me sound like a bad guy, I don't I don't mean for it to. I don't I, honestly I don't care. But that's if that's the reason. But I will say this. I, I will be more apt to do it if the place admits, hey, look, we know these things don't work. We know that at, at, at best they help on the edges. This is just to make some of our clientele feel better. At least you're honest, and now I'll at least consider it. But if it's, oh, no, mask, mask, mask save. In, in, a clinical area, in, in a clinical environment, perhaps, but the way that people wear masks, the way we just described up, down, up, down, up, down, touching Pulling them down, to, like I have a picture. Someone at a football game. You well, they, they they peeled it down to scream. Okay, well, you that's defeated the purpose, man. I mean, hundred percent. I mean, you know, like that's mean, what it's there for. I mean, yeah, come on. Or the, or 100%. the the lady at Kroger that that pulled her mask down to sneeze out loud. I'm like, okay, okay. Number one, bless you. Gesundheit. <laughs> But, but number two wasn't that the point it was yes and so at this point or it is not at, was at this it point, is the point at this yes. point we're just it's pure when you put it back on after you've expelled whatever it came out of your nasal passages all of your all of your all of your vid soldiers yeah at, at, at this point when you put your mask back on it, it, it's pure theater and I, I'm, I'm i'm theatered out so people go well you you just won't fly again and you know what i one of the things I've, I've I've realized is there's a decent chance that I'll never get on a plane again, and and I'm fortunate that at least at this point in my life I have a job that doesn't require that I fly. Sure. Well, and I mean, so, or you know, you know, I mean, Neil, we could since 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 we make millions on this podcast, man, um, we could just go get our own little private airplane and fly wherever we want to. Oh uh, yeah, we could if we just just got to add just a few more. Pieces to get there. No, but I'm good. You know, look, <laughs> almost there. Everybody, almost there. everybody does their thing. And whatever. But I, it, I do catch myself here lately, probably with more uh, fatigue. I mean, I'm, I'm not even frustrated anymore. I'm just kind of tired of it because I look at I look at the crowds and I look at the Grove and I wasn't. I, I don't go to the Grove, but I'm glad people do. And I'm glad people have a great time and. But the Grove is jam-packed, and it's essentially a tent city. And yet, kids can't. Kids have to wear one in class all day. Feels. What it, is the? Do you know the population of of campus when on football weekends? Like on average, um, like when you have a packed stadium, is it like? Well, like when when Arkansas comes here in in a couple of weeks, and then when LSU comes here two weeks later, assuming the weather's good. I mean, I'm going to guess there's seventy thousand people. In the Grove slash Circle surrounding areas on game day, I, I could be way off. I have no idea. There's, I mean, there's a ton of people who just come for the tailgating. They don't, don't actually go to, go to the stadium. Yeah, but you know, if they fill the stadium up, it's sixty two thousand. And like Florida the other night, they played Alabama and Gainesville, and they had ninety two thousand people at the stadium. 
Um, Good God, they that stadium holds ninety two thousand. Yeah, people. Florida Field holds ninety two thousand. Holy crap, man! You know, so LSU plays Auburn next Saturday night at Tiger Stadium. There'll be a hundred thousand plus. At, at some point, at some point, it just kind of defeats logic, right? I mean, if if yeah. if, if you do that, and three weeks later there's not a mass casualty that comes of it, don't you have to say, hey, it's possible this thing's seasonal? Is was LSU one of the schools that? Uh, that either said negative tests or vaccines yes, yes. to get in. Yeah, but a lot have of people, they crawfished on that, or is that still their policy? They ha- I don't think they've crawfished on it, but I've I have wondered, and I need to read about it because I don't know. I, I have wondered how do you how do you enforce that? Uh, dude, I think it's got to be impossible. I mean, the t- I mean, I'm sure the ticket the people at the at the gates they don't get paid enough to be the police. I doubt they care. Well, I just yeah. I mean, I can flash a sheet of paper at you that said I'm negative. Or I can make photocopies. You're not going to – I highly doubt it would be so inefficient if they were looking at someone's ID, comparing it to a, you know, a, a, a form that says, you know, they have a negative test. And, I mean, you know how, how – oh, my gosh, how long that would take to get all the people in the stadium? By the way, it's inhalation dose. Inhalation, inhalation dose. Okay. Dose. All right, there's some stories in uh, <laughs> some stories out there. Shifting the fourth gear. Shifting gears, because there's some people that get really mad. Um, there's some people that love when you talk about it, and there's some people that don't. They 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 don't like they don't like to talk about it. Well, I, I don't I don't mean to come off like I have a flippant attitude because I realize they're like I mean it's impacted people in my family too. But yes, for for the most part, like it is, it's just there's. You're correct. I think the word you use is correct. There is theater about it. People can be. I don't know, man. Actually, I'm just gonna be quiet because I probably will say something stupid. All right, this is Wall Street Journal. The headline <laughs> is China makes preparation for Evergrande's demise. Beijing, reluctant to bail out the country's most heavily indebted property developer, is asking local officials across the country to prepare for, quote, a possible storm. Chinese authorities are asking local governments to prepare for the potential downfall of China Evergrande Group, which is down 11.25 today. According to officials familiar with the discussions, signaling a reluctance to bail out the debt-saddled property developer while bracing for any economic and social fallout from the company's travails. The office, I'm sorry, the officials characterized the actions being ordered as getting ready for the possible storm, saying that local-level government agencies and state-owned enterprises have been instructed to step in to handle the aftermath only at the last minute should Evergrande fail to manage its affairs in an orderly fashion. They said that local governments have been tasked with preventing unrest and mitigating the ripple effect on home buyers and the broader economy, for example, by lifting job losses, scenarios that have grown in likelihood as Evergrande's situation has worsened. Evergrande faces a series of bond payments in the coming weeks, including one closely watched Thursday for an interest payment on an offshore bond. I know there's a lot of people out there, self-included, who would have initially read this and said, who cares? Except I think this led to some of the market volatility in uh, U.S. markets early in the week, right? Um, sure. I mean... That's what the that's what the media tells us, is that that you know this Evergrande or Evergrande or however you pronounce it, 
is supposed to scare us, but I kind of look at that and go, okay, uh, does JP Morgan own the, you know, debt on those properties? No. Does Bank of America own the debt on those properties? No. Does Wells Fargo own the debt on those properties? No. Does Banco Santander own the debt on those properties? No. So it's like, okay, well, in the U.S. and even in Europe, it's this is not a 2008-type deal where, you know, our banks were were in deep crap because of lending that they had done, uh, you know, to, you know, on, on houses. I, this is, I mean, then dude here, I, I'm going to be totally honest too. I don't know a ton about the Chinese culture and, you know, how they look, act, quack and live in China. Um, from what I've, I've heard. And I was, I was off on Monday. Like when I say off, I was off. Like I wasn't, here, I didn't listen to the radio, didn't watch TV. My daughter turned 15 on Saturday, and my family from Miami was in town for her quince. So I was totally disconnected Friday and Monday. So I didn't even know that there had been, you know, this huge downslide on Monday. And someone asked me, a client actually texted and said, what do you think about this Chinese property debt? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, that's how much it, that's how much of an impact that it had on my decisions on what should I do you know, anything in portfolios because there's not going to be any contagion. And what I don't know, and you may know this, this answer, Neil, I mean, you're a, you are a really, you're a really smart guy. Um, and you know a lot about a lot of things that I don't know anything about. Like in North Korea, they would build buildings that were totally empty just for posturing, right? To be like, oh, you know, look, we're big and we're badass. And in China, apparently they're doing the same thing. They have building upon building upon buildings upon buildings upon buildings that are empty, that are not vacant. And it kind of scratched my head and I'm like, okay, well, in the U.S., we would never build, you know, empty buildings for cities that will never be inhabited. And the U.S. investor just doesn't do that because capitalism exists. Yes. Because we don't build something just for the sake of building it, we build something because it's going to enhance our economy. It's going to generate wealth. It's going to generate jobs. It's going to give, it's going to do something. Yeah. You typically already have tenants for buildings that you, that you build. You, you yeah, have typically speaking, you do. Yes. I mean, in right, the US, some of the, do. but some of the, the, I'm looking at a picture right here um, of apartment buildings and recreational facilities that are never grande development in China's Jiangsu. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Province. And you're right. I think it's mostly empty. It's very nice. It's tall building after tall building after tall building, um, with these like courtyard, massive courtyard areas with playgrounds and what appears to be some sort of a sport court. I can't really tell from this angle whether it's like a, a pickleball. <laughs> it might be. Pick- I'm totally joking because I have no. I'm not looking. It, at this it might be. I, I can't tell what it is. It doesn't matter. But but like I mean, but so dude, paths, running, in all seriousness, paths, et cetera. Why, why would you build that? I mean, you would, and then why would you be surprised when the company who has built these buildings that have no tenants and no cash flow can't service their debt? Well, and then you hear about the Chinese government saying, well, hey, you know, Tencent and, you know, Alibaba, the companies that have really 
been profitable, have done really well, have created wealth and created jobs. Um, we think you make too much money, so we're gonna we're gonna redistribute your money. It's like what's where's the incentive to build anything? It's like the state controls. It's an illusion that there's freedom there. Yeah, it's, it says everything China is state controlled. It's funny you say that. China has struggled for years to calibrate its housing properties. Housing policies, I should say. Prices have marched steadily higher since the real estate market was liberalized more than two decades ago. Again, I'm reading from the Wall Street Journal. In recent years, prices had risen out of reach for many households, raised corporate and household debt levels, and sparked concerns about a debilitating burst bubble. In recent months, stabilizing the market has become a priority for leader Xi Jinping, with officials repeating the mantra, homes are for living in, not for speculation. The latest buying frenzy began in early 2020 as the government turned to property investment to help offset a pandemic-infused blow to exports and domestic spending. By the late summer last year in 2020, authorities, fearing that the housing market had become overheated, introduced a set of policies to cool down the sector and in particular to rein in the heavy borrowing of property developers. Sounds fairly similar to what happened to the U.S. in 06, 07, 08. Yeah, I mean, we had banks that were, and they weren't even, I mean, yeah, we had banks making loans that they shouldn't be making. Um, well, you know, and then the U.S. the U.S. didn't allow, you know, the world to just completely fall into to disarray. I mean, the government stepped in. I know for J.P. Morgan and Chase, uh, you know, the government essentially held a gun to their head and said, you know, you need to, you need to save Bear Stearns, and and they did. J.P. did, and then the government turns around and penalizes J.P. with a massive fine for having all of these toxic assets on their balance sheets, only which came from the very company that the government held a gun to their head and said, we need you to buy Bear Stearns so that the financial markets don't collapse. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know a ton about China politics. I don't understand what they try, what their end game is, what they're trying to do. Um, you know, if they let this company collapse, I mean, let's be totally honest for me and you, it probably has, very little impact in our portfolios. Um, U.S. economy is strong. I mean, the Fed announced that it is going to begin its tapering program. Uh, I think Jay Powell has done a bang-up fantastic job as our Fed chairman. Um, if this administration does not re-nominate him, like, they are totally smoking the crack pipe because uh, I have no idea who the hell they would they would put in there. Um, I mean, there, we have a lot of good, good Fed, you know, Fed presidents out there, but Jay Powell has done a phenomenal job, at least in my opinion. Uh, you know, he has, and he says, Hey, we're going to start tapering because we think the, the economy is strong enough where we can start pulling off some of the stimulus in China. I mean, I don't know, I guess China could just go in and take over the company. I don't know. I don't know how China works. All right. It baffles me. Yeah. I'm, I'm I could sit here and pretend, but I don't either. Um, yeah, it's one of the follow-up stories is it's the only the latest in a chain of Chinese debt crises that we've never heard of. Yeah, excuse me. 
I mean, if I'd been in Kroger, I would have taken off my mask to do that. Oh, I didn't even realize you sneezed. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Bless you, man. Oh, thank, you. thank you. Uh, so, second story: stocks jump as market turns positive for the week. Investors express cautious hope that trouble at indebted property giant Evergrande can be contained. It shows a graph with kind of the markets jumping over the course of the week. The U.S. stock market rose sharply Thursday, notching a second consecutive day of gains as investors remained upbeat that trouble with property giant China Evergrande Company can be contained. The S&P 500 gained 1.2% a day after a Federal Reserve policy update sent the stock's gauge to its biggest one-day gain since July. Which I'll just inter- I'll interrupt here. It's okay. why I listen to people like you who say don't panic on a on a day or even a bad week. The market, the markets have been pretty steady, even with all of the stuff happening in our country, with all yeah. the pandemic stuff, with um, the sheer hatred that everyone has towards one another. As as fractured and divided as we are, we've gone from one very unpopular president to one very unpopular president. Um. The economy kind of still churns on. The Dow Jones was up 1.5% or more than 500 points. The technology-focused NASDAQ composite index added 1%. All three indexes are now up for the week. And this is, as you were telling me, during a kind of a quiet economic time before we get into the fourth quarter, which is not a quiet economic time. Yeah, I mean, so if you really think about it, at there are there are two things that move markets. One of them is totally rational, right? Which is, you know, how healthy a company is, it's earnings, you know, it's what it's doing, you know, is it investing? Is it, is it trying to grow? Is it paying out a dividend? Like those are the, those are the rational things that someone can look and say, Hey, you know what, that, I think this is a good investment and I'm going to put my money into it. That's, that's rational. And then you have the irrational side of, of investing where, it has zero to do with what a company looks like, its health, what it's doing from a dividend payment standpoint, whether it's growing or not growing, and fear or greed, either one, step in and take over, you know, the the buying and selling of a uh, you know, of 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 a company or a group of stocks. And and man, I think that's what you saw, you know, the last couple of weeks. There really hasn't been any news, and we've had good news. Um, you know, in, you know, in the economy, um, there's nothing that's, that's scary. I think, I think we're in a, in good shape. Uh, I think we're heading in a good path, you know, and, and it could be too, that there are people that just said, Hey, you know what? My portfolio is up pretty significantly from January one. And some of this stuff that they're talking about kind of sounds scary. Cause I really don't know what they're talking about. I'm just going to take a little bit of profits off the table. And then it kind of like some, if, People start taking profits, you know, might other folks start taking profits. You, you kind of see this little, you know, um, dr- you see this drive of the markets going down. All it is is some profit taking. And then, you know, people go, oh, wait, I don't know why we, you know, why we sold Disney. Disney, nothing has changed in Disney. But now Disney's at a really attractive rate. And some of the you know, institutional investors will step in and say, well, you know, Disney's down 5% on no news. So we're going to buy a little more because we got it on sale. We got a 5% discount. So we're going to pick up some. And that's kind of what you've seen play out over the last couple of weeks. There really hasn't been news that would drive 
you know, uh, there's no, there's been no fundamental news stories that would, that would make you go, Hey, um, I need to do something. I need, I need to sell or, or I need to buy. There's been no news, uh, you know, until yesterday when, you know, when Jay Powell, you know, kind of gave the forecast for what the fed is going to do. And he said, Hey, you know, we're probably going to begin tapering, which just means they're going to stop putting so much stimulus. It doesn't mean they're stopping putting stimulus into the economy. They're just going to put less in it than they have been. And they're going to probably start that in November. They do that by buying bonds. Um, they're going to put less in and beginning in November. And they said, Hey, you know what? We probably will. We probably will raise rates sometime late next year or early 2023, which they're not going to do that unless they think the economy is healthy enough to do it. Now, is there people that are naysayers because they're like, hey, he's letting inflation run away unchecked. The tool that he has to combat inflation is to, you know, raise interest rates a little bit. And, you know, he doesn't seem to be too concerned about it. Although, and I think you read it earlier and, and I can't remember what he said, so I'll paraphrase him, you know, where he said, you know, this transitory inflation, you know, could stick around a little longer than we thought. But he still used the word transitory, meaning like not permanent, not permanent inflation. But because we still have some supply shortages, like that makes sense. It does make sense. I don't like it, but um, but it makes sense. And then, you know, markets bounced back, you know, over these two days. And if people are like, hey, man, why did the markets bounce back? And if I was being honest with them, I'd be like, I don't know. People thought it was good to buy. I mean, there was no news that made them bounce back other than, you know, the Fed announcement, you know, is a catalyst. I shouldn't say that because, because essentially Powell said, Hey, the economy's in good shape. You know, that's good news Yeah, that the economy is in good shape. Along those lines, jobless claims climbed slightly last week, but remain near pandemic lows as demand for workers keeps a lid on layoffs. That's good. People working is good. Initial unemployment claims, a proxy for layoffs, rose by 16,000 to a seasonally adjusted 351,000 last week from a revised 335,000 the prior week. The Labor Department said Thursday the four-week moving average for initial claims, which smooths out weekly volatility, declined slightly and remained at its lowest since the COVID-19 crisis began last year. Recent claims figures could have been affected by disruptions from storms such as Hurricane Ida, economists said. Filings for unemployment benefits have fallen steadily since mid-July as employers retain workers despite the Delta variant. And the economic recovery shows signs it has been dented but is holding up during the latest COVID-19 surge. We expect that the downward trend that we've been seeing for a while will resume, said Nancy Vandenhuten, lead economist at Oxford Economics, which is probably not based here in Oxford. But maybe. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, probably not. Not based there in Oxford. Yeah, I mean, you know. The economy's in good shape. I mean, we went through a shock. And I mean, and, and it kind of, for us, it, it's something we have never been through before. But I mean, there have been pandemics in, in the past, but we had tools that they didn't have, you know, in the Spanish flu of 1918 and, and stuff like that. And that's the other thing. It's like, man, I think, you know, all, the, all of my studying in college and in grad school you know, we studied traditional 
um, means of finance from a government standpoint. You know, we talked about monetary policy and we talked about fiscal policy and how the government helps, you know, stimulate or, you know, or, or hold back economies um, to, you know, to, to accomplish what they need to get accomplished. And man, we're, we've kind of moved into an era since 2008, since the financial crisis, where we have like, you know, new monetary you know, policies and tools and procedures that we have, we didn't have before. So, you know, I don't know if, if we didn't have those tools last year, could, could it have been as bad as 2008? Probably so. Could it have gone as long? It could have probably gone even longer than the 08 recession, but there was so much stimulus injected into the economy. And, and Neil, you know, the crazy thing is, is that it worked. Right. Yeah, it did. And I'm and I'm not a proponent of like, you know, overreaching, overarching government. I think that the world tends to exist better when government stays, you know, kind of in the fringes, like out of getting directly involved with with day to day life. It's why what we talked about at the beginning of this show, as much as some people are like, I don't want to hear it anymore. But it matters. Because we've had time now to know what this thing does and doesn't do, and we got to go back to work. Yep, we got to go back to work. We got because when we put people back to work, the economy continues to take off. And yes, money matters. Yes, yeah. well, the economy matters. No, you can't just lock down. You can't. You just can't. And when people go, well, if it saves just one life, it doesn't work like that. It, it, life is like there's there's risk correct because i mean dude a financial death in a home can can be more catastrophic than a physical death in a home yes i mean and that's what we we could you know on the edge of you know some financial deaths but but then we just kept we kept it's like it's the like the ventilator man we kept them on. We kept people on the ventilator too long, with keeping them at home and giving them money to stay home. Because now, you know, if all the people who stayed at home that were truck drivers, if they were on the roads, you know, driving and doing their job that they had prior to Rona, you know, we wouldn't have this wage inflation in the trucking industry, and there wouldn't be these shortages of in the logistics to get product from point A to point B. And now it costs more because you're having to pay more, pay a driver more to do those things. And we have trucks that are just sitting, not running because there's no one to be able to drive it. And dude, honestly, you know what could happen? Logistics could be one of those first industries that go fully automated, right? Where I think we'll have like self-driving trucks before we would have, you know, the self-driving personal cars. Because that industry will would invest if they said, hey, you know what? I don't have to pay this dude 85000 a year and give him a $20,000 bonus just to get him off the couch to come drive for me. Instead, I can invest a little on the front end, and now I have a truck that doesn't have to follow the laws of, you know, the truck can only operate for so many hours, and then the driver has to sleep because the thing is automated. I mean, it's kind of a scary thought that we would have 18-wheelers with, <laughs> with no driver. But, dude, technology will get there. It will. Yeah. And then inflation will come down technology inherently is deflationary 
Inherently, it is. Because it replaces human... I mean, think about elevator operators. That used to be a real job. Now you push a button. Yeah, oh, you're right. I mean, that was a career for someone. They worked in a building in New York and they operated the elevator. Can you imagine? Yep. It's craziness, man. It is. Anywho, I'll get off my I'll get off my soapbox there. So anyway, I think people's portfolios just stay put when when the shit hits the fan is never evenly distributed. So don't try to time things like what happened the last few weeks. Just stay in. And if you got a little cash, put a little cash in. It's okay. But don't sell. I'll be quiet now. Great stuff. All right. Hey, <laughs> no, it's really is. It's 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 funny how you learn. It's all sort of tied in together. Um, yep. Yeah. All right. We're gonna go there. Thanks for everybody cool, for letting us be a part of your week. We'll be back uh, next Thursday. At least that's the plan with another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle, mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com. For Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Till next time. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.